It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is a podcast from The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk. Welcome to the Game Podcast. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and I'm, we're broadcasting from a new studio in East London that's just big enough to squeeze in some of the biggest minds in football. And not just those, but Rory Smith's as well. Which is lucky, because as most of football's greatest thinkers are here with me now, a uh, big welcome to Matt Hughes, who's not actually here, but broadcasting from his secret posh location in southwest uh, London. Uh, but I'm delighted to be joined by Joe Tung, my old boss and uh, uh, the producer and editor of uh, 606 on 5 Live. Oh, and of course, Rory Smith is here too. Later, we'll be discussing the impact of the women in football documentary that I'm sure many of you saw. Uh, but first, let's start with the title race. Um, okay, well, let's, let's actually start with the title race rather than the game. Let's have just a very quick uh, whip round. Um, is the title race over? Rory? Yes. Matt? Definitely. Joe? Done and dusted. Right, I, I, I beg to dissent. I've, I've seen stranger, stranger things happen. Um, I remember Mancini's Lazio throwing away an eight-point lead in the final seven games. Back, uh, of course, they were managed by one Sven Joran Eriksson. Um, so, I don't know. I don't think United are playing particularly well. So there. But anyway, on to the game. Um, Arsenal and City, a horrid tackle early on. Um, I don't think anybody wants to go and defend uh, the tackle. What I'm curious about is we're going to get into referees because they were they had absolute stinkers uh, this weekend. But um, right, where was the assistant referee? I mean, supposedly the official was unsided, but did he not see that? You'd, you'd have thought he should have done. It was it was sort of in, in his jurisdiction. But linesmen haven't had a great weekend either. Just uh, the offside decisions at Chelsea were, were, to be honest, more the linesman's fault and more the linesman's fault than the referees. I think Mark Hughes got it spot on because after after the game he came out and said who's going to stand up in front of 75,000 people and stick their flag up and go against the grain when the you know the refs already made a decision so I think that kind of just put it out there how little power the the Linos have nowadays well, I would have thought actually Arsenal being the home team and sending off, and you as, a, as an assistant referee sending off a, a visiting player, you might actually get a lot of support. It wouldn't be that hard to do, especially when you're a professional and this is your job. But across the weekend, if you're looking at decisions Lino made, Lino's made across the weekend at Old Trafford, Mark ah, but we're not there up. yet. Okay, I'm just moving on. The one thing I would say is that the amount of times you see 
a referee give a throw-in, say, before the linesman does. The linesman's flag very rarely goes up before the referee makes a decision, and it suggests to me that linesmen generally sort of hide behind the referee. QZ, I, I know you uh, linesmen don't uh, rank very high uh, on your list of priorities, but um, is there some major issue, or do they just have a bad weekend? I think the, the issue here is communication, and they they're trying to build, particularly in European football, I think they're trying to build these sort of teams of like linesmen and referees working together. Um, but I think they should do that more often, and I think referees should make more of a point of consulting their assistants uh, on a regular basis, and that in that way they might actually contribute rather than just having to make a decision reluctantly at the last minute. Well, hey, let's stay with you, um, just because. I saw the Arsenal lineup, and I saw our old pal Yossi Benayoun, and I saw Thomas Rosicki, who I thought had um, basically figuratively retired from football. Uh, but Rosicki actually was very good, as he has been in uh, in a number of these these late games in the season. And Benayoun kind of did his thing too. Um, well, what gives there, Hughesy? What's, what's the thinking? Rosicki's been outstanding for about two months now since they beat Spurs, and that incredible game a couple of months ago Benayoun also played very well um, Venice says it's the fact that he's fit and 100% well for the first time in a long time that has made the difference in Riziki and he's sort of he's really stepped up and he's obviously not Seth Fabregas but he's the closest they've found this season and I, I think he's been a, been a great player for Arsenal recently it's just frustrating that he hasn't been able to do it more often in the six years he's been at the club. I think it's no surprise that Wenger says that it's the fitness. To me, it's playing him in the position that he's meant to play in. He, like Arshavin, he's played him as a winner for three years and it's not worked. But that's just Rizicki, like Arshavin, isn't a winner. Playing in central midfield in that attacking sort of role in the hole and he does well because bad that's where he's meant to play. Bad. Um, but if I'm looking at it from the outside, Benayoun's on loan. Um, Rizicki's old and um, why not play the kids at, at this day I mean I, obviously they want to finish third but Wednesday knew that Spurs had lost and stuff I mean or, or is it something that they should be doing going forward seeing you know throwing up more of the ox and people like that people actually have a future at the club if the players are delivering why, why change the formula if he's so, been delivering for two, two months and Ben Ayun's obviously playing well why, why change that because the point isn't just to win meaningless games now the point is to well the point's to get third now surely Third, I agree with Joe. I think I think that they've you guys are so scared by the Champions League prelims. I'm I'm scared by the fact that you're using the Ox as though it's a proper nickname for someone. Is it is it is it him and the Ram for Ramsey? Is that does that work as well? It's and so the Wall for Theo Walcott. You obviously spend uh, a lot less time on uh, on, on Arsenal uh, message boards um, than I do. <laughs> I'm a big gooner, as you know. Um, all right, let's talk about Balotelli now. I, Ollie Kay, uh, our, our fearless uh, leader, uh, one of them, I guess, um, made the point that he's bored with uh, Balotelli. Somebody else came out um, and said, you know what? This has been such a horrible Premier League season. This has been and one of the few interesting things this year is, you know, to, to, to liven things up. Uh, Joe, you're nodding. Are you nodding in agreement with uh, Ollie? I'm a huge Balotelli fan. I fear for the next six weeks without having Balotelli to look forward to watching. <laughs> I've, you know, what's the point in watching Match of the Day? If there's no Balotelli to tune in for, what's his what's his next antic? And it's not just about his off the pitch antics. I genuinely like watching him. You know, I was I was at the Etihad when for the um, Man City Spurs game when he stamped on Scott Parker, but then won the penalty and just stepped up as if you know not not a care in the world and and took the points. And I just literally thought that man 
is what we need in the Premier League. What are we going to do next season if we don't have Balotelli? Who are you going to tune in to watch? What, make, ge- what genius is there? You'll have to make do with Wayne Rooney and Robin Van Persie. I mean, well, actually, maybe not Van Persie. We'll see about that one. You'll have Arsene Wenger's football in Menagerie. That's what we'll have to watch. Um, Matt, I, I, I was intrigued. I mean, I'm assuming you're not bored with Balotelli, or if you are, it's because you're, you sound often sound relatively bored by most things. But um, <laughs> And I say that as a compliment. Um, but I wanted, was curious about Mancini's post-match um, reaction because you know to, maybe he was being brutally honest but to come out and say and you know in two three years time his career will be over if he continues like this he's not going to play again this year and you know I think the club will probably sell him in the summer um, is that is this a man at the end of his tether or is he uh, or is he trying to play yet another psychological mind game with uh, with Super Mario I think the point being that is that Mancini himself is bored of Balotelli and he used words like he's I've finished with words for him and he's basically said he's at his wit's end, which is admirably honest and refreshing from one point of view, but the other is it's not as simple as that and he's already tried to finish the career of one high profile striker this this year and it hasn't worked. Who's to say that he can get the money he wants for Balotelli in the summer? Uh, now, so I think he's playing a pretty, pretty dangerous game, Mancini, by being so honest. I don't know the mind games. I think he's anything, anything. He's being a bit, being a bit naive. Well, I think that was a bit of a deflective tactic, though. At the end, I mean, Alate didn't lose the game for them yesterday. He didn't get sent off till what was it, eighty third minute? Later than that, I think. Eighty sixth, yeah. Right, exactly. So he didn't actually lose the game at the Emirates yesterday. But it's a good way to, to sort of deflect the fact that it's City a great. Had, but that's what I'm saying. Horrid, as, why, as why are we discussing a twenty-three-year-old is to blame for City throwing away the title? There's a phone. He, 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 he didn't lose the game, but I mean, if, if City had a more reliable presence up front, mm. then they they would have competed a lot more. And hey. the way the way he played was indicative of sort of City's whole sort of sloppy, half-hearted performance. Hughesy, I, I have an idea. Um, if only Mancini had a had a big, tall, strong, powerful striker that he could send up uh, against Thomas Vermaelen, who's a bit of a shrimp, and and Koscielny, who's French, um, then maybe they could have powered their way in there. Maybe, but if only he, he doesn't have somebody like say Enjeco available, right? Does yeah, he? They, they didn't spend twenty seven million pounds on him a couple of years ago, just as they didn't spend forty seven million on Tevez, and you know they, they need some more players. As, as, as in the interview he gave in the Sunday yesterday, he needs more money. What's funny? Funny about Jekyll is his goals to minutes ratio this season is actually very good, as is Balotelli's. Now, um, hey, Roy, you're on the record as saying you don't think Balotelli's that talented a footballer. No, I didn't say aside all the all the lunacy. You and your hyperbole, Gab. I didn't say that. I don't. The the, the sort of the, the 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 idea with Balotelli is that he's he is a lot of trouble, but he he's sort of worth it because of what he provides you on the pitch. Well, I he could be worth it one day is it. the idea. I don't see what he provides you on the pitch that you can't get elsewhere. He's he's a fine footballer obviously, but I yeah, I don't I'm not surprised Mancini's at his wit's end with him to be honest. I just don't get what, what he does that's that's so special and to me yeah, but sorry, sorry, you keep going back to what he does. The idea is it's what he could do if he harnesses the potential. But he's twenty two, he's not seventeen anymore, you know, he's twenty two. This is when footballers reach their sort of especially attackers begin to reach their peak and he just he's so in and out, he's so unreliable. And as Mancini said yesterday, you're not even sure if he's gonna finish the game. His tackle on Son, followed by his display, which was sort of not inept, but it was just lazy and slapdash, is a complete and utter abdication of responsibility. I, th- I, I don't think he's worth the trouble. Okay, so where's the, where's the captain pulling him up after that first challenge and going, watch yourself? Oh, no, I think that's right. I think, I'm not saying 
by any stretch of the imagination that Balotelli's cost, cost City the title I don't buy that whatsoever I think if anyone's cost City the title it's Mancini who lost his bottle after QPR away and hasn't played the attacking football that City were playing at the start of the season for about four months they've scored five goals in five months away from home that's what's cost them the title not Balotelli but there has to be a degree of personal responsibility as well. But it's also a team. I didn't see any balls coming in from wide from him. It was literally all down the middle. What's he meant to do with that? Where's it? Where, you know, we're talking about support, and I mean playing support and mental support. You've got no playing support. You've got no midfield supporting him. But actually, where was where's the captain coming up to him and going, mate? You know, just. Slow yourself down for a little we, bit. Watch we, yourself. I think, as Hughesy would probably say yesterday, it looked a bit like the City players have run out of patience with Balotelli. They've looked, they've, I think they've run yeah. out. They can't be bothered trying to get him back on the right track anymore. Joe Hart, prime yeah. example, when he got sent off. Maybe, maybe Joe Hart was just angry that he got sent off and they knew they were going to lose the game at that point rather than you know all this invective. But of, but of course, we love to read minds and do the whole body language thing. But let's talk Mancini. You seem like you, you've got something to say there, uh, young Rory. Um, the script is, is laid out by certain people as, is as, as Jose Mourinho you know, is still annoying everybody in Madrid um, and uh, being all coy about him leaving and um, the obvious place for him to go would be, would be Manchester City um, at, at this stage um, now, that's obviously one scenario but taking a step back would it make sense for City to move on from um, from from Mancini? Not not yet. I don't think. I think that, as he said yesterday, they've they've developed this season. They have progressed. It's a shame they're sort of jettisoning the title and such. They have of, fifteen more points. Yeah. Um, this season the, than they did the, the stage they, last season. And they have been genuine title contenders, which they, they, it would be difficult to say they were last last year. So no, I think I think he warrants another season. The, the big question is whether he's learnt enough from this season to even stop if a now, repeat. now because people always we just talk about like oh well he deserves to stay he deserves to go and so the only thing that the, the deserves even if you think. Mancini's done a good job. Is is Mourinho sexy and appealing enough? Is the, if if the opportunity arises to get Mourinho and say goodbye to for Mancini, would you would you pull the trigger on it? Should City pull the trigger on that? I, I would leave Mancini for another year. I mean, I think even if Mourinho were available, Mourinho should go to a, you know send him down to a, a certain North London club. I think there'll be a job down there for him. Um, I don't you, think Mourinho's going to do. What will Mourinho do differently? than Mancini's done this season. I mean, that that would be my initial All right. query on that. Um, Matt, I, Matt, I would, Matt, would, Matt there isn't enough Mourinho worship right now. Please, Matt, fix it. Well, I, the risk of being predictable, and I'm not actually a Mourinho fan, but I would be astounded if Mourinho wouldn't have won the league without a squad of players. Um, he would have got them all fighting for each other, believing in each other, and they would have secured more points. Mourinho talks a lot of nonsense, as we all know, but one of his um, most apposite pronouncements, I think, is what he said at Chelsea, which was the biggest line footballer you can't have success in your first season. I think that's right. I think you've got the players, and you've got the money, and you've got the structure. You should you should win titles so being 15 points better off in a league that has been by common consent of a much poorer quality than in recent years where the probable champions United are pretty average um, they, City should have won this championship and for them not to do so is, is a failure and responsibility ultimately rested Mancini but having said that Mourinho is currently overseeing a Real Madrid team that are chucking away a 10-point lead at the top of the Spanish, Spanish First Division so maybe he's just as bad a manager as Mancini and he won so much last season of course exactly. uh, with Real Madrid um, but, but hey uh, but he, he does they have are, a point. They are, but they are, they are up against the best 
team in the in, in the world and maybe ever. And all, most of these players and hate him. And you, they're still top of the league. But United's so. run of form in the last three months has been absolutely insane. I think they're probably they've got eleven wins out of twelve. I don't think Barcelona can match that. Well, you talk about United. That that provides us with a very nice segue onto United. I want to talk about the, the United's run of form, though, first, because you mentioned these wins and so on. Um, I, I try to look at the, the performances uh, as well, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, so yesterday they'll get they get the gift uh, the gift that keeps on giving in Lee Mason. Um, the they get the the week before that they're playing Blackburn and it takes them until what the last ten minutes to score. And um, by the way, this is not a very good Blackburn side, as we saw this weekend uh, again. Uh, and the week before that, it's Fulham at home, you know, Fulham where they've all booked their holidays. And uh, they only win one nil. And there's that late penalty decision, which probably should have been given, but wasn't given. Are you, are you impressed with this, Joe? Is this the brilliant form that Rory K. Smith is talking about? It's not brilliant, po- brilliant form, but it's three points every week. And that's that's the difference, isn't it? Is, is, it, is this just something we say when, when we can't explain it? Like, should we? I'm always torn by the results or the performance. I, I I look at this. I don't see United side as playing well, and so I think to myself, oh, well, then maybe next week they can lose. Or should I be thinking, look, they're playing badly and they're still winning. If they just play to their level, then they'll win even more next week. Which is the correct answer, O Jedi Master? Well, it's sort of a glass half full, half empty scenario, but and, and usually for me, I'm going to say it's it's half full. You've got to admire their their results. You say yeah, they're not playing well, but ultimately they're, they're winning. And what would any other team in the league to give for those results? City's last few results have been draws against Sunderland, Spoken, and defeat at Arsenal, um, which is why they're not champion. To win 11 out of 12 games at any point of the year is remarkable, particularly at the, at the end of the season. Uh, I think their true quality, the true quality, is revealed by the European performances, which have been very good. But to, to dominate at home as they have is, is still pretty, pretty, pretty impressive, and we should be praising them really, not not um, not burying them. Just as a country gets the government it deserves, which obviously Britain has with Tories who sort of prompt fuel strikes and what have you. A football league gets, gets the champions it deserves. This is a Premier League that's not as good as it used to be, and neither are Manchester United. But it's they're still harsh and depressing. They're still they're still much better than everybody else, and I think Hughes is absolutely spot on. They were they were taken apart by Bill Bow in Europe. Ajax probably should have put them out the previous round. You know, Baal who got beaten seven nil by by Munich, put not them out of the Champions League. Benfica. Basel, Basel, what? it's Basel, not Baal. But don't don't speak your heathen tongues at me, Marcotti. And, uh, and Baal is like the evil false god from the Bible. That's Baal. I think that, that's a, that's a misunderstanding of, of ancient theology, Gab. Right. To be honest, but anyway, I, they um, they they aren't as good as they used to be. But as Hughie says, they have produced this incredible run of form. And the person who has to take credit for that is Ferguson. This is this will not. This is this is the worst Manchester United side to win a title. But this is his best title. It's funny because I said the same thing about last year's team. This is the worst Manchester United side to win the title. And, uh, and I, I I think what we can say about him is that and he's so easy to forget. Is I think it's something like more than half of um, United's most used players in terms of minutes this season arrived in the last two years. This is a team that's transitioning. Um, and teams that transition are supposed to be worse because they're transitioning. Um, but the guy, the dude still wins, which you know goes back to... Uh, why I think he's the greatest. Um, what I would say about, about your sort of existential dilemma about whether the results or the performances are most important, I think it's, it is the mark of champions 
to win when you're playing badly, but it's not the mark of a long-term successful side to keep on playing badly and still win. I think at some point you, you do have to play well, otherwise you will get found out. Well, or the other thing you can do is, um, is have Lee Mason and his, uh, and his uh, uh, official. And I want to break this down because... There's Joe. There's tough offside calls. This is a very obvious one. The linesman's very well placed. Maybe the guy had a brain fart at the moment. Maybe he made a mistake. But it's so obvious that Ashley Young dives, and that's on Mason, because Sean Derry's arm is outstretched. But his arm is already outstretched when it touches Ashley Young. So it's not like he's pushing him. This guy's done this before. Um, I don't. Yeah, we, 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 we have the character assassination of Balotelli. I, I think this guy's not good. I don't think he's good enough for United. I, I'm, I just don't. I don't. I don't like this. This is this is pure cheating. Well, take, take this off, Ashley Young. My whole my whole issue with this is when was the last time you saw someone touched in the box and a penalty wasn't given? When did when did the penalty area become a non non contact area? That's my whole issue with it. Lee Mason had his had his whistle in his mouth. Before Ashley Young had practically hit the floor, he he was giving that penalty the minute Derry was next to him. It wasn't about where he touched him or how he touched him. He didn't even look across, you know, he's not even looking at his assistant for, for any sort of support. He's giving that penalty. That's my whole issue with it. Is that, does that sound as harsh? Does Joe's words sound as harsh uh, to you as uh, they sound to me, Matt? No, I don't think so. I think he's spot on, really. I mean, it's... Embarrassing when mistakes are um, shown up so soon after the event on TV. And what referees in this instance should do is come out and explain themselves. I think they'd have a lot more sympathy if they um, had a had a had a voice and we could sort of sympathise with them as, as human beings. I think I think the problem with that sort of is hiding how, how behind do, them. How do you explain that? I mean, what what is going through his mind? I, say, I made a mistake. I saw it incorrectly. I I. I, I, I you know, I made a mistake. You know, I mean, was, was is that the, what you think happened? Do you think he he thought there was a lot more contact than there was, or do you think he just thought there's there's a bit of contact in the box? I've got to give a penalty. Or do you think he guessed? Well, right. Well, that's where the problem is if you're guessing. Well, I mean, he still has to make a decision, even if he's guessing, right? So he says, I saw it incorrectly. I judged it a certain way. And, you know, the, the Ashley Young didn't help me because he throws himself to the ground like a, you know, like, like a wuss. And, uh, uh, and you know, Sean Derry probably would have been better if he hadn't been... So who you know, are you blaming more? Are you blaming Ashley Young or are you blaming Lee Mason? Well, well, I'm, 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 blaming, I'm blaming Lee Mason more because I kind of accept the fact, and we've seen it this season that footballers are trying to con referees uh, more and more. And as they should. As, as their job. That, 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 that is a very... I, I, no, I, their, I, their job is to get the ball and go through on goal. No, their, job no, their, is job to, their job is to win football matches. Yeah. And if you can, you, if you can gain an advantage by, by whatever means, as long as it doesn't involve hurting anybody, then, then to, to be honest, for me, it's absolutely fine. Ashley Young... Fine Paying off opponents, that's fine too, because it doesn't hurt anybody, no, right? It doesn't hurt anybody at all. No, exactly. You know, stop being no, hyperbolic. The one, but, the one but, thing but, I, but I can point out, this is, this is like Rory Smith's like Latin American extraction. This, this is a very popular argument, uh, and, and Rory knows this, and where they say, well, what's the difference between, you know, basically uh, a, a player, you know, showing one way and cutting the other way 
way to deceive the opponent and beat him uh, and a player deceiving the referee it's based on this ethos that the referee is an opponent to be conned uh, just like the opposition players right it, broadly speaking you're trying to make me sort of I'm not, shy, I'm away not from the, shy away from the argument by saying it's popular as I'm trying to be counterintuitive I'm not I just think that they haven't it's their duty to win football matches and if, if you have to sort of take a tumble I think their duty is to stay on their feet and run through and go with but is it a winner's duty just to stay on the on the on the the wide right in his little channel yeah, like it was in the 50s d- if you're hacked down in the box you can't stay on your feet Matt. so you will get the penalty but can I just well, say one thing about about, sure. about referees generally when I was a kid and I was playing football when I never dived I can assure you uh, not only was I taught that if you if you lost control of the ball, it wasn't a penalty. No matter, you could be shot, and if you'd lost control of the ball, it wasn't a penalty because you weren't going to score. I was also taught that referees had to be absolutely certain that there was there was contact. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. That there was a foul before they gave the penalty. That's the bit that's been lost. In the incident yesterday... I'm not absolutely certain there's no contact at first glance. Yeah. I mean, obviously, with the replays, we know there was no contact, so you're not absolutely certain. But I'm also not absolutely certain that Ashley Young was clean, clean through on goal because he's, he's not going, he's not going no, straight on the goal. He's actually I think they're, going they're, across to the left. They're whistle happening <laughs> and they're guessing. Is there an argument to be made that a footballer's job is actually, since he's in the entertainment business, to actually do what's best for the product of football and therefore... Uh, cheating and, and diving and and being James Perch aren't good for the image of football. But and Gab, to use terminology that you might appreciate, do you not need faces and heels? Is there not a balance to be struck between the light and the dark? Yeah, but I, I, I think the, the, the difference, and, and you are making an allusion to uh, my fa- favorite sport, um, which is, uh, or my favorite form of sports entertainment, which is, of course, professional wrestling, um, which does have faces or good guys and heels or bad guys. That's an entirely different narrative. And the other thing is, I'm not sure you're aware of this, Rory, but um, professional wrestling is largely scripted. Well, I think if you listen to Roberto Martini and Kenny Dalvey, so is professional football. <laughs> this is true. This is true. That, that, that is a very good point. Touche on that one. 
So uh, last week, our, uh, our Times colleague, uh, Gabby Logan, um, she uh, presented a, a documentary talking about some of the issues facing um, women uh, in football. And it was pretty much across the board, obviously, her role uh, where, you know, she's been a, a presenter. Um, others, uh, there's women in press offices, there's women coaches, there's women administrators. Um, and of course, there's um, there's women officials as well. And the issue of, uh, of, of, of sexism. Now, I... When talking about this with our producer, Chris Skinner, I kind of made the point that, all right, we want to talk about this, but I don't want to, like, sort of tokenize this. Um, And I thought it was important that if we did it, we would have more than um, one woman on because what really bugs me, and the media in every country in the world do this, so please don't make this be a pig in the English media, but it's like, oh, look, there's an issue with black people. Oh, let's call Darren Lewis or let's call black journalist and speak for the entire black population in the world. And um, so, unfortunately, Allison decided that going on holiday with her uh, family was more important than uh, uh, spending her Monday morning podcast with us. So, um, we got Joe on, who, of course, uh, uh, appeared in that documentary. Um, I just wanted to state that for the record. Joe, we don't expect you to speak for all of womankind or all of womankind football or all of Spurs supporting womankind in football or, uh, or all of uh, injured marathon running Spurs supporting womankind in football, anything like that. Um, Rory, you can feel free to speak for all of... I speak for men. For men, exactly. Yeah. Hard Yorkshiremen. Um now, one of the things that, that, that strikes me off the bat is certainly on the journalism side, I had a total lack of awareness of women football journalists in the sense that it didn't ever occur to me media-wise who was who. Like, they, they were just kind of colleagues. But I have been very aware that on the, on the other side, on, on, on the club side, um, you know, certainly in press offices and, and things like that, women seem to be very well represented. Um, is there a different dynamic there? Um, I, well, I think traditionally communications and, and public relations have been, had more females working in them, so that might be one reason. But I also have to say on, on the journalistic front, in the sort of 10, 15 years, I've been working in football industry newspapers. There are definitely far more uh, women working in the game than, than they used to be on, on both sides. I'm not saying we should be complacent and think everything's fine, but I think we should also recognise that progress has been has been made, and um, certain people have been able to, to use sort of, you know use their gender as, as an advantage. If, 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 you, if you're lucky enough to get the right opportunities and and, and, and work hard and, and sort of take your breaks, really. And it's, it's obviously good. I, I'm sure Rory wouldn't, you would agree, but there's nothing it's actually very, very refreshing to have a sort of greater depth and diversity in the press box rather than being surrounded by lots of bitter and twisted middle-aged men. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I think that I'd much rather... I mean, I, I, I'm kind of with, with Gab, I don't really... It doesn't really occur to me that people... That, it's a woman in the press box particularly there aren't very many there's probably more I guess than there used to be there's certainly not as many as there are on the other sides of newspapers you look at you look at in a newspaper features department or a news reporting department it's probably not far off 50-50 um, maybe not quite 50-50 but in sport it tends to be one or two per paper uh, but I'd much rather have have a woman I guess a young woman with who sort of is familiar with the modern game and is but not a middle aged woman no I think 
gender and age are both equal and important, but I'd rather have someone who is au fait with the modern game than a 60-year-old man who seems to be out of touch with everything that's going on. Uh, Joe, I purposely um, asked, I wanted to get uh, the initial view from, uh, um, from, from the boys out there first, but I, I wanted to ask you about this. What was the... Um, what was the thing when you were asked to participate in this uh, in this documentary? And I got thought off the top of my head of like several people who, several high profile women who um, in, in football and the media who did not participate. And obviously, I know Gabby wasn't going to go speak to everybody, but she certainly did shoehorn a whole bunch of people into the program who you know may or may not have been there, like Robbie Savage and Mark Chapman, and you know she included the funny bits like where she's walking and her umbrella blows away with Jackie O. Like, um, do you think were there some people who purposely do you think didn't want to be on this program and other people who felt that it was important to speak out yeah absolutely I mean absolutely there was there was lots of people I mean Robbie actually said when when Gabby asked him the question about the Keys and Gray situation and you saw how uncomfortable he was and, and even now I feel the atmosphere's changed because you're all slightly conscious of what you're saying and you don't want to say the wrong thing and I mean Robbie said on the on the program last week oh good question Gabby oh see I feel uncomfortable now and it's, it's just people are so worried about saying the wrong thing and I don't think you can say the wrong thing it's just let's discuss this we've never discussed it I mean you know I've been involved in this women in football committee for four years now it's actually been going six years and it's always been very under the radar because we didn't ever want to be perceived as a group of oh you poor hard done by women you want to work in football but you have such a hard life and it's so difficult for you walk in a press box and people look you up and down and managers speak to you you know in a derogative manner and all players sometimes don't give you the respect you deserve and oh poor old us poor old us that's absolutely how we didn't want to come across so that's why we've always been very under the radar but then when instance like the Sean Massey um, thing and the keys and grey thing happen you do sort of the same incident by the way yeah 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 yeah. but it was I mean there was other keys and grey quotes that came out off the back of the Sean Sean Massey incident which were very indicative of things that we've all heard in the workplace. And I think when when that happened, we then felt felt a responsibility to sort of, you know, have a voice. You know, if if something happens, if there's a racist incident or a homophobic incident, immediately kick it out, we'll be putting out a statement or, you know, making a statement or putting someone up for interview. And we've we've never really had that. And I just think for for women sort of, you know, I'm of an age now, I've worked in the media for 13 years, but but when I started out, if something had happened to me and, you know, various you know, small things happen when when you're working your way up through the ranks. I, I had no idea who to speak to about it without seeming like I was I was running and going, oh, this happened to me and this is horrible. You know, who do you go to? And we asked various people in the documentary if if there was an incident of sexism in the workplace, who would you go to? And nobody knew because. You know, do you go to the FA? Well, when we went to the FA six years ago and said we'd like to set up this group for, for you know, women in football and networking and support group, the FA said came back and said we feel very uncomfortable with that. <laughs> Why do you feel uncomfortable? Here's my, I mean, I'm, that's a, a dumb question, right? But um, if you're an um, employed by a football club and you experience. Um, an episode of sexism in the workplace. Presumably, there's a, a human resources department and any kind of mechanism like that that you would go to. And and while obviously you know there'd be concerns with losing your job and protections and so on, 
is it that would it be that different than if you were working in a in a, in a bank or in a you know, no, I, I presume I'm, I've, you know I've never worked for a football club, but I presume they do they do have HR. However, the issue then becomes if you kick up a fuss, you you'll probably never work in football again, and you probably won't. I mean, I said to Gabby about you know, but people, so people say that right, but we both know somebody who's on that program, and I, I don't know how much we're going to go out, but who was let go by a football club. Um, and kicked up a tremendous fuss, and depending who you talk to, she's responsibilities all around. But, but you know, she so she's working in football now in, in a high-profile position. Um, she certainly made some enemies along the way, but um, she's also caught some supporters. But she didn't come out. She's never come out publicly and, and said what happened to her. And within the game, it you know. It's very hush hush about what what happened. It's not spoken about openly. It's not like in the city. Whereas, if if you took a major bank to court because of the way you were treated, you would then speak out against that company. It's not, you know, it's not that open. Regular listeners will know that um, I don't particularly uh, admire Karen Brady, the football administrator. I don't like her methods. Um, I don't like her bosses at all. And I also think that in some ways, this idea that you're having, while it's obvious great that there is a successful woman um, in, in football, I kind of think that it's also a bit like you don't want to give off the image that you know you to succeed in football, you have to be a Karen, little Karen Brady clone because, um, you know, let's face it, not everybody, you know, has the, the stomach to, 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 to be Karen Brady. Everybody has different personalities. I thought maybe somebody like, like Heather Abatz would actually be a much better, you know, or, or an alternative role model. But Karen Brady said something that was 100% um, you know, I, I, I thought was was 100% right on that thing. And that if people don't come forward, then they're simply making it more difficult for future generations. And I kind of got the impression that that wasn't necessarily made as clear. Um, lots of people, you know, telling stories without mentioning names, especially things that happened 10, 15 years ago. Um, but really, Karen Brady was was sort of one of the most forceful ones coming out and saying, like, hey, if you don't speak up, you're not just hurting yourself, you're hurting the future, too. But they've never had anywhere to come forward to, apart from your HR department. How, how did anyone ever know? I mean, Women in Football has been a very small network group, and we haven't reached out to you know, nearly half the people we need to. But even since that programme went out, well, the, the, I could name you another five stories of incidents that we are looking into right, at the moment some, of some things that have happened. Right, but, but uh, this Women in Football Network is around now. I, mean, I just wonder, some of those women who've been very successful, I mean, you're shaking your head, Rory. I'm shaking my head, it's dinner coffee. Okay, there you go. Uh, well, I think, but, yeah, but again, but not a single name was named. Apart, I, I just get the, the sense that, you know, I, I, I look, believe it or not, I don't ever, I am not a victim of sexism and never will be. I I'm refuse to a, accept that. Exactly. But, you know, I've got, uh, I, I've got two little girls and I don't want them to go into a world where, you know, women are, have to overcome these hurdles or, or you know, or, or, or they have to be sort of Karen Brady superwomen to, 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 to go and make it. Um, so this is an issue for me. And so I have a stake in this and I want people to come to come out and, and tell stories when they do happen. Um, and I'm not entirely comfortable either with all the seeking FA approval thing. I, 
I don't, I don't think we're seeking FA approval. I think initially we thought that it would be the right thing to do to go to, as the body of our national game. The right thing to do would be to go to the FA and say, "Do you want to be part of this group?" And they said, "No, no." At the first instant, okay, fine, that's fine. We'll just do our own small support group. Now, as as the years have gone on and we've realised it's not just people on the committee that have experienced sexism, it's women in general in the game. And as I said to you, it's, you know, literally has grown and grown even in the last week since that programme. The the number of incidents that I've heard about in the last five days have been ridiculous and hence why we've got our meeting tomorrow to discuss those incidents and what we're going to do about that and what support we can give to the women that have suffered those. Now, what the next step is thereafter, I'm not sure, but that's something that we're going to work through because I agree with you. If if there are incidents going on, we need to be discussing them and people need to be named. I want to throw one, one other thing out, um, which I'm really in two minds about this, okay? When, apart from the fact, obviously, Jackie Oatley has a woman's voice, um, and, you know, it's not, and admittedly, I wouldn't say call it screechy, but it's not, you know, it's not exactly Lauren Bacall either. Um, somebody made the point that, well, you know, yeah, Jackie Oatley's very competent, whatever, but she sounds just like the other match of the day reporters in terms of what she says. She doesn't add anything feminine to it. And I thought, this is actually kind of brutal because I thought, is she supposed to add something feminine? Why should she to add it? something feminine? Exactly. What of would, course she should be like every other what, match of the day. What would be feminine? What like, would you want? Like referring to a rom com? Well, no, but the. the well, what, is a, a gentle. A gentle build-up to oh, a goal. Is, I is think, so unlucky. I think uh, what it's meant to do. Yeah, that, that, that's more. That's, that, that, that's more effeminate than yeah, feminine. Okay, yeah, actually, point, where's yeah. this yeah. quote come from? That's what. Where's this quote come from? Oh, I, I think it was a, a. I think I read it in the Independent at, oh. the, at the time, but I think other people have. People have talked about, for example. Very broadly speaking, women better being better, better, better problem solvers, um, better, uh, more diplomatic. Very, you know, and this idea that she would bring a female perspective, and I actually thought it was kind of offensive to me. I find um, that completely offensive. A, She's, why should she bring something feminine? She's just bringing her view. She's just bringing right. Jackie in the same way that Jonathan Pierce brings. I wouldn't say they unique. bring their view because they're okay. They're commentators. Day commentators. But you're bringing your you unique. Know, you style. probably get robots to do it. Fine, yeah. but think. Look at Motti. Look at Motti. He has a unique style. Look it's at because Pierce. he's old he and he. Style. Yeah, but it's unique. Yeah, it's I mean, unique. I, I, I don't know. I, sorry, we don't want to stick with a match of the day. Uh, well, just to establish uh, my credentials, I spent most of Saturday in the company of the uh, England and Arsenal ladies captain, uh, Faye White. Um, sorry, so is Faye okay? Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. I just got an approving nod from Faye. If you're listening to this, Joe Tung says you're okay. Okay, okay, so that, that's good. I'm, I'm sure you just made a day there, uh, Joe. All right, time now for some quick hits. And, uh, hey, let's get this straight out of the way. It's our uh, weekly Liverpool underachieving bit. Um, they're held to a 1-1 draw by Aston Villa. Uh, Rory, Kenny Dalglish played Michael Oliver, and maybe he was right. Um, I thought he's been pretty good this year, but certainly not this uh, past week. Um, is Kenny kind of grasping at straws? I was in the, uh, in the main stand at Anfield on Saturday, not working, uh, just watching. And then I watched Match of the Day afterwards, and the difference is incredible match today made Liverpool look competent attacking full of verve and panache they weren't they were abysmal for 70 minutes uh, there are no tactics uh, 
it was nothing to do with Michael Oliver. Liverpool is a, a very poor football team. Michael Oliver is a good referee. Kenny is grasping at straws. All right, careful there. You want, you want, you want the Tonys to hear that. Uh, West Brom win 3 0 at Bolton. Uh, so much for Owen Coyle's resurgence. Um, but Roy Hodgson suggests he'd like a new contract with a get out clause in case he gets the England job. Uh, Matt, should he bother? Yeah, I think he should because there are a lot of people in the FA who would like to give Roy Hodgson the job I don't think they will I think they'll be swayed by the popular sentiment in favour of Harry Redknapp but it's by no means guaranteed that Spurs will get the, let, them, let them do the deal so if, if, if Roy is in the running he should, he should keep his options open yeah, well, we know you're not an England fan but um, who would your pick be Roy or Harry <sighs> ok you don't have to answer that I know it's cruel Spurs are held at Sunderland while Chelsea and Newcastle take a step closer. Uh, Joe, are Spurs fans worried? One win in seven in the Premier League? What's the problem? Que pasa? Well, can I blame the FA for this one as well? Of course. Let's blame the FA. Harry Redknapp, England job chat. I mean, as a Spurs fan, I don't think any Spurs fans are worried or surprised. This is what happens to Spurs. You know, you get to Christmas and it's all it's all going very well and you get to January and your season just tails off. This this is not a surprise to me. Um my my issue my, my thing on this is what happens if Newcastle finish above Spurs? Does Alan Pardew get the England job? No, because Alan Pardew's not not Harry, and uh, and Alan Pardew's English already manager. ruled himself out. English manager, and and this this, this this constant defeatism. You know, I think your grandparents who survived the Blitz would be rather rather embarrassed by this. But Bississé scores again as Newcastle win at Swansea. It's now nine goals in eight games for the striker who cost nine million pounds in January. Uh, Rory, the guy scored 22 goals last year in the Bundesliga, not in some weirdo, obscure South American league like the ones you fetishize. Um, why did nobody but uh, Alan Pardew show any interest at that price? Do you know what? I'm a massive fan of Graham Carr, the work that he's done. I think that he's brought two players in particular to Newcastle who've been superb in Kabai and Cheikh Tiote. They were brilliant bits of scouting. Kabai was the captain of the French champions so that's maybe not that hard Papi Sissé was the second leading scorer in the Bundesliga I think last season and was either second again or top when he moved to Newcastle that's not a brilliant bit of scouting that's watching European football and to be honest I don't think there's enough people in England doing that why is nobody else again? I have no idea there's it's no good bargains in general you're taking a gamble the one, the one on. thing I would say is I'm Get a, a freaking su- life I'm a bit exactly. surprised that no one in terms of Munich or someone like or Dortmund, I guess, but they probably don't need him. None of the German sides picked him up. He was at Freiburg, who aren't a big club. But no, I think in terms of lionising Car for spotting him, it's it's not it's not really relevant. He was he was astounding in Germany. Okay, you're lavishing a bill too much praise on Graham Carr. Uh, Roberto Martinez called the blown offside call that led to Wigan's 2-1 defeat at Chelsea, quote, disgusting. Matt, it certainly was a bad mistake, but uh, should Martinez now be punished for daring to speak his mind, um, or should it be okay to say that uh, without alleging anything bad, um, yeah, it was a disgustingly bad decision? No, he shouldn't punish at all. And I get a bit frustrated when people like us in the media kind of criticise managers for being honest and open and speaking candidly, which is surely what we want them to do. There's a difference between saying what you think and blowing out lots of ridiculous conspiracy theories about referees being biased and favouring certain teams in the manner that people like Neil Warnock have done for years. Martinez got it spot on because English is second language. He used a colourful word that maybe an English manager wouldn't have done, but um, no one would disagree with him and he, he, should, he should be fine. All right, go on, Roberto. 
Grant Holt has scored 13 league goals this year. Um, only Wayne Rooney has more among English strikers, um, except for Ricky Lambert, but I guess that's in the uh, uh, championship. Uh, Joe, would you take him to the Euros as his uh, mate Anthony Pilkington keeps advocating on Twitter? No, no, no. And I know Mark Lawrenson got a lot of grief for saying this on Match of the Day. Absolutely not. If you're going to take a, a, you know, if we're talking strikers, give me Crouchy, give me Defoe, give me Daniel Sturridge. Why isn't Daniel Sturridge being cha- spoken about? He probably and, will uh, be it, going to the Euros. But why Why are we talking about, if we're talking about form, I think Kevin Phillips has scored seven. What's Grant Holt scored? 15 this season? 13. 13, right. Well, Kevin Phillips has scored 17. Um, you've got David Nugent scored 15. If you're talking about form, take Ricky Lambert, take Ricky and Ricky Lambert can score penalties. You, you, you don't buy the argument that uh, England need to bring one striker who's not small, who's like big and an aerial threat? Crouchy. No love for Andy Carroll, eh? Uh, Gab, one for you. Of the eight teams still playing European football, five of them are Spanish. What gives? I thought it was Scotland with Sun and the other 18 clubs were, were all rubbish. No, you did it. I just scripted that for you, all right, but that's okay. Um, I think the reality is that even though Spain is a very unbalanced league, the top two sides really are that good. They are ridiculously good. They're two of the best teams in history. One is the most expensive team ever assembled with the highest paid pl- uh, manager ever. And so by extension, the other teams, yeah, they're way behind, but they're really not that bad. Um, I think there's still major issues with the Sp- with La Liga and, and uh, there are issues that are going to need to be resolved. But I think the quality is clearly there. Also, Bilbao, with all the love in the world for Bielsa, this is a very erratic team. It's very much a, a cup side. Um, but uh, I think we should think twice before going and, and then maybe actually watch some of these teams play before going and uh, passing judgment on them. That's all we've got time for this week. But remember, you can go to thetimes.co.uk. You'll find your news, your gossip, your analysis, our web chats. No web chat for me this week. I'm going on holiday. Uh, Also, we're all on Twitter. Joe, you're on Twitter too, right? Tongue Tweets. Tongue Tweets, at Tongue Tweets. And you can can follow Joe. Maybe Joe will provide some updates on the uh, uh, WIF uh, stuff we talked about as well. Rory, of course, is on there. You all follow him already, so I need to give you his Twitter handle. Enjoy the week. Plenty going on. Until next week. Bye-bye.